Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, I want to continue on with this series that I've been preaching for a while, God's Country, part four, just kind of a big, broad theme. America is a place God has blessed, and we want him to bless it again. Uh, I will tell you this morning, this happens a lot, God's given me three really good sermons uh, to preach today, and I'm not going to preach all three. The question is, which will I preach one of them or will I preach a piece of all three? And I'm not sure uh, how that's going to work. Um, God didn't really show me that. So I'm just going to jump in and share what the Holy Spirit speaks to me this morning to, to share. Um, God's country. And the title of my message this morning is Peace or War? And a question for you to think about before I, I, I go a little deeper here is if somebody gave you the option of would America or would anybody be better off to prepare for peace or prepare for war, which would you choose? Are we better off to prepare for peace or prepare for war? Which would you choose? You don't have to tell me, but I want you to think about it. My guess is, I would hazard this guess, that there are people, I don't know where you would fall, but there are a lot of people probably would say, well, let's prepare for peace. I mean, if I've got a choice between peace and war, you'd be a foolish person to choose war, right? Well, let me share a story with you and maybe change your perspective just a little bit. I want to talk this morning, before I jump into Scripture, about uh, two groups of people. They are the Maori people and the Moriori people. Very close in name, Maori and Moriori people of New Zealand and the Chatham Islands. Um, True story, real people in the modern world. December of 1835, something happened to the second group of people, the Moriori people in the Chatham Islands. And I want to read to you a little bit of their story here this morning. It's not long, but I I could paraphrase it, but I just want to read it. I think it'll be more effective. I don't do this often, but I want you to hear the story. And if you are looking at that map there, you kind of see where they fall, Australia. New Zealand is in the lower right corner, just the lower right of Australia. New Zealand is where the Morai people live, and the Chatham Islands is where the other group of people live. The uh, Morai developed on the New Zealand large islands, and actually their ancestors are the ones that 500 years earlier um, managed to make it to the Chatham Islands, and they developed there as a separate civilization and forgot about each other. You cannot see the Chatham Islands from New Zealand. You don't know they're there unless somebody stumbles upon them or somebody comes and tells you about them. And for 500 years, these people who are related cousins developed completely separate from one another. One developed a, a, a culture of war, the ones in New Zealand. The other developed a culture of peace, those in the Chatham Islands. And just as an aside, do you see up above to the upper right of Australia that set of islands called Vanuatu? Y'all see Vanuatu there? You, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. We support, you support. If you give to missions every month here at this church, you support 
Lori and uh, Gary Ellison, who are on Vanuatu, and that is the group of people that they are proclaiming the gospel. Actually, um, Lori is second generation. Her dad and mom built the Bible college on Vanuatu. So we support a group of people, or we support missionaries there. Look at that. We got an arrow. That's technology for you. That Point that out. Yeah, right there is Vanuatu. Um, but let me share the story about the, these other two groups of people down here in New Zealand and the Chatham Islands. On the Chatham Islands, 500 miles east of New Zealand, centuries of independence came to a brutal end for the Moriori, I cannot say that name, people in December 1835. On November 19th of that year, a ship carrying 500 Maori armed with guns, clubs, and axes arrived, followed on December 5th by a shipload of 400 more. Groups of Maori began to walk through the Moriori settlements, announcing that the Moriori were now their slaves and killing those who objected. An organized resistance by the Moriori could still then have defeated the Maori, who were outnumbered two to one. However, the Moriori had a tradition of resolving disputes peacefully. They decided in a council meeting not to fight back, but to offer peace, friendship, and a division of resources. Before the Moriori could deliver that offer, the Maori attacked in mass, and over the course of the next few days, they killed hundreds of the Moriori, actually cannibalized them. I won't be as graphic as they say here, but enslaved all the others, killing most of them over the next few years as it suited their whim. A Maori survivor recalled, the Maori commenced to kill us like sheep. We were terrified, fled to the bush, concealed ourselves in holes underground, and and in place to escape our enemies. It was of no avail. We were discovered and killed, men, women, and children, indiscriminately. A Maori conqueror explained, we took, possessions in, took possession in accordance with our customs, and we caught all the people. Not one escaped. Some ran away from us. These were killed, and others were killed. But what of that? It was in accordance with our custom. And I ask you the question again this morning, are we better off to prepare for peace or prepare for war? I would suggest to you this morning we're better off to prepare for war and pray and hope we never have to use it, right, than to prepare for peace and find out we needed it. Peace is a wonderful thing as long as your enemy is in agreement. Peace is a wonderful thing as long as your enemy is in agreement. When he's not, you had better be better prepared to fight than he is. Don't seek peace with an enemy set on destruction. Now, I could go political with this, but I won't because that's not the point. So I'm going to tell you where I am going to go to God's word. And I'm going to go spiritual with this. And I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. But my friends, we are waging war. And we do have an enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 puts it this way, be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary or your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And the question this morning is, how prepared are you for war? Because we're waging war. Whether we know it, like it, accept it, want it, my friends, there is an enemy that is doing everything in his power to destroy the people of God. And how prepared are we? I want to show you something this morning. If you had the choice between this bullet or this bullet, which would you pick? 
If I were going just based on size, I'm going to have to say I would probably go with this one. Wouldn't you? you you're firing. Yeah. This is an, these are for offense. Now, I would, yeah, I'd want to see the gun. Well, let's, all you got is the bullets. I, I would go with the bigger one. It would make sense until you do this. You turn this one over like this, and you turn this one over like this, and you realize this one has no powder in it. This is just a cartridge. You could take this into battle all you want. You might look really impressive with a Rambo-style belt, no shoved in it. But the best you can do with this is take it out and throw it at your enemy. This one, you can put in a firearm, and it will fire because it has power, powder and power. And here's what I want to say to you this morning. How prepared are you for the battle, the war that we're waging? Because I fear that there are too many of God's people that are fighting a battle with weapons and ammunition that have no powder and have no power. And that's not God's plan. What I want to share this morning is, this may be a smaller bullet, but anytime it's full of the power of God, powder and power, it will do damage, and more importantly than that, it will protect. This is what we need to be, and that's what I want to preach about this morning. I'm going to read a lot of scripture. I want to share about the power of God, the touch of God. I want to share this morning about God's divine power for you and for me to wage war and win the war. Win the war. God's people have always fought against this, their spiritual enemy. This isn't about Democrats. This isn't about Republicans. This isn't about leftists, rightists, liberals, conservatives. This isn't about any of those things. It isn't about ethnicity. It's about a spiritual warfare that we are absolutely caught up in, that we have got to get our hearts and our heads around and be prepared for war because it's upon us. In the Old Testament... Let me go back to the Old Testament for a minute. Go back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the hope, the promise of God's people was a messianic hope. They were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for a time there would be when a great outpouring of the Spirit of God, the power of God, the powder of God. They were looking for a time when this would be poured out, not a bullet, but the power of God would be poured out, out upon one called the Messiah. But not only the Messiah, the people of God, all of the people of God. They, they were living, I mean, they were conquered by the Assyrians, and then they were conquered by the Babylonians, and then they were conquered by the Greeks, and then they were conquered by the Romans, and they spent so many years from the time they became a nation until the time of Jesus looking for that messianic hope. But always it was connected to an outpouring of the Spirit of God. This outpouring of the Spirit of God that was out there, it, it was what was going to empower the Messiah in a very special way to do something that no other leader had been able to do. We go into the New Testament and the Old Testament messianic prophecies and hope were fulfilled in Jesus, in the life of Jesus. We move on to the post-ascension after Jesus has died and rose and risen from the dead and ascended back into heaven. We find that that same power, that same powder, that same, that, that same divine empowerment that was put in place in the Old Testament and in Jesus, it continued in the first century church. And, and get this part, hear this part, okay? And following generations, right up to the year 2021. God has given us 
powder and power to win this battle. If you have your Bibles this morning, you're welcome to turn here. I've got some of these on the screen you can follow. Some of them I don't. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. Let's look at this this morning. The Old Testament prophecies, the Old Testament promises. This is what the people of God were looking for in the days of Isaiah. As far as a Messiah, empowered by the Spirit. Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. Now don't miss this. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is upon me. Prophetically spoken about Jesus in the future, the Messiah. The the Holy Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me or empowered me. He has empowered me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. He has given the Messiah power. He has given the Messiah power through the work of the Holy Spirit to help to deliver the poor. Who are the poor? Let me, let me, let me, let me just read this. The poor are those who are so broken by life They have no more heart to try. Do you know anybody like this? They're so broken by life, they have no more heart to try. That's the poor. The poor are those who are so bound up in their various addictions that liberty and release are a a cruel mirage. Do you know anybody like this? Let me read it again. The poor are those who are so bound up in their various addictions that liberty and release are a cruel mirage. Those who think that they will never again experience the favor of the Lord or see his just vengeance meted out against those who have abused them and misused them. Those who think that their lives hold nothing more than ashes and the heaviness of despair. These are they to whom the servant Messiah shouts good news. Do you know anybody like this? Listen to me. If you don't, all you've got to do is get on the news and watch it for about a half an hour. And you'll see example after example after example after example. You'll see the people that are are victims of homicide in Chicago and Indianapolis and Los Angeles in Atlanta, and you'll see two things. You'll see those people that are the victims of homicide. Somebody has come and shot and killed their baby or killed their their husband or killed their neighbor, but at the same time, you're also going to see the shooter because there's something that has got to be broken in a human being to be willing to pick up a gun and go and randomly fire it into a crowd. You will see the people that will march and they'll spit and spew perversion and hate and and, and horrible things. You see them march and you see them argue against righteousness itself. When you see those people, you see people that are described by the poor and the broken. This is who Jesus was going to be empowered to set free. He's empowered to set free the poor. So here's my question this morning. Where does this hit your family? I don't need anybody to share, but I want you to think this through. You got family members that are struggling with addiction? This is them. 
You've got family members that their relationships, their marriages, their relationships, their children are devastated and broken and a train wreck and they get up every morning in misery. This is them. Do you have loved ones, grandchildren or children or parents or spouses that are so far from God and so hardened to the things of God that they seem to have no hope and they're living their lives in misery and despair? If, that, if you know somebody like that, if, you, if this is your family or a piece of your family, this is who we're talking about this morning. And the question becomes this, is this servant Messiah just going to hurl words at the poor? No, for his words will accomplish what they speak of. He will gather up the broken hearts and bandage them together. And, and here's the thing I want you to see, that, that word that talks about brokenness is the same word that is used in all the way back in Isaiah 1-6 where it talks about the unbandaged oozing wounds that were the result of sin. He will take those wounds that ooze out of their heart and their soul and their spirit and destroy their marriage and destroy their lives and destroy their body. The Messiah, empowered by the Holy Spirit will, will step in and he will bandage them and pull them together and bring healing to them. Does anybody in this room have anybody in their family, anybody in their life you would love to see God do that for? I do. That's the power of the Spirit of God working through the Messiah to win this war. And it starts at home. Now here's the thing, Jesus came along in Luke and he said, he said to the world, what was prophesied in Isaiah... What you're hearing today, it's, it's about me. And let me read this to you, Luke 4, 16 and 21. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord. He quoted Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, what Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before, today you are privileged to sit and to see it take place before your very eyes in me. I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. But what I want to show you this morning is this, that that's not where it stopped. I hope you grab this. I hope you get this. Also in Luke chapter 24, the very end of Jesus' time on this earth, this is what he said. He said, he, it says, he opened the minds to understand the scripture and said to those that were listening, thus it's written the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. You are witnesses of these things. And then verse 49 he says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe we missed this. Jesus walking down the road, and a man sitting there lame, and he prays over him, and he gets healed. Jesus walking down the road, a woman with an issue of blood, and he prays over her, and she's healed. Jesus walking down the road, or in a city, and people that are oppressed and, and possessed by demonic powers, Jesus commands the demons to be gone. I'm going to tell you, it's been a long time since I've studied this, thought about this, but I can remember 
teaching years ago I heard that was so good and so it just made so much sense and so right on and I, I can't even begin to share the depths of it but basically it's this there is a direct connection between scripturally a direct connection between addiction to drugs and demonic activity now I'm not telling you everybody that's that's addicted to something is demon possessed but I'm telling you when we allow something to come into our bodies and our minds and control us, there is a, a direct correlation there. And I wish it, it's been way too long. I'm just telling you there's a direct correlation. And, and you've got somebody in your family that's dealing with addiction or you're dealing with addiction in your life, you need to know this. You have got the authority and the power. Be digging my pocket again. The power of the Holy Spirit, right, to take authority over that thing in your loved one's life. Stop you can argue with them, you can fight with them, you can get them into treatment plans, and, and there's a place for treatment plans and programs, but I'm going to tell you, you need to break the spiritual piece of this thing, and the only way the spiritual piece is going to get beaten is not with a treatment plan, but it was with somebody full of the power and the Spirit of God praying over that person and rebuking that, rebuking that darkness and rebuking that thing from their lives. Right? Are you prepared for war? Are you prepared for war? Jesus said, I'm the guy, I'm the one, I'm the Messiah, I'm the one that fulfilled Isaiah. And then he turned around and he told his disciples, I want you guys to go and I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the same power from the same Holy Spirit that I've got that Isaiah prophesied about because when I leave this earth, you're going to step into the battle and you're going to be the front line and you're going to do the warfare that I've been doing. And then Peter comes along in Acts 2 38 and 39, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, every one whom the Lord our God calls to himself. How many of you got kids, grandkids? Promises for them. How many of you are a kid of somebody? <laughs> that promise is for you. It was for your parents and their parents and their parents and every generation from that first generation. It was the promise of the power. It was the promise of the powder. It was the promise of the ability to not only fight this fight, fight this war, but to win this war. It was the promise of the power and the authority to pray for the poor, pray for the sick, Pray for the injured. Pray for those that are addicted. Pray for those that are bound up in captivity. Pray for those in depression. To pray for them and do battle for them and win the battle because of the power of the Spirit of God, not only upon Jesus and upon that first century church, but upon you and upon me. Are you prepared for war? Because it's upon us. And it always has been. What does it look like? You guys give me a few more minutes? A couple? Can I get five? Anybody give me ten? Dang, y'all. All right, I won't push it. Prayer is good. Can you say amen? Prayer charged with this kind of weapon is still good. Prayer is good. 
Prayer is always good. Prayer charge like this is even better. I'll tell you my, my, my life experience, if you will allow me. I've seen people pray big prayers, long prayers, even heartfelt prayers. It had no power. I had those experiences. I've seen that happen. And then I've seen people full of the spirit of the living God, full of the Holy Spirit and power, pray prayers that weren't necessarily all that long, not all that theological sometimes. I mean, they were accurate. They just weren't, they just weren't. And I've seen darkness have to flee. You can pray for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You can weep and cry. And, and there's a place for that. I'm not mocking that in any way, shape, or form. There's a place for crying out to God. In fact, we need to do that. Or you can pray in the power of the Spirit of God and just say, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By the authority of the Holy Spirit that lives in me and I walk in him. Devil, what you're doing to my child, to my grandchild, to my neighbor, to my boss, to my body. What you're doing, devil, stop. It's not an argument. It's not a discussion. It's not a debate. We don't debate the devil. We command the devil. Now listen to me. Don't you set out to command him in your power. Make sure you're prepared for war. Make sure the Spirit of God lives in you and you're walking in the Spirit. And if you've not been baptized, I talk a lot about that, if you've not been filled, overflowing, walking moment by moment, day by day in the Holy Spirit, then you need to, you need to continue to seek for that baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it will come. I read it. It's for all generations, for those that were close to that first generation and those that are far off, which is you. Don't argue with the devil. Just tell him in the name of Jesus, by the authority of Jesus and the Spirit of God in me, stop. And then by faith, expect it to stop. You understand what I'm saying? Be prepared for the war that we're fighting. Ephesians talks about it. Ephesians 6 talks about it. I preached this a few weeks ago. Maybe even last week I mentioned it. In all circumstances, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with prayer and supplication. James tells us in chapter 4, he says, you do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. I'll, I'm going to confess something to you this morning. I have prayed more than one prayer in my life, and I prayed wrongly. I'm guessing you have too, because sometimes, frankly, honestly, I don't know what I don't know, and I don't know what God's will is, and I think I know what God's will is. I know what I want God's will to be, and many times I pray that way, but there's times where I, the best thing I can do, and, and I've learned this as I've grown and matured in the Lord, there's times where the best thing I can do is just say, Lord, I don't know where you're going. I don't know why you're going there. I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know what's happening, so I'm not going to pray and ask you for anything except I'm going to pray in the Spirit. And I pray in my language, my, my prayer language, and I pray in tongues, and I pray. And, 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 and let, me, let, me, let me teach you this. Paul, Paul talks about in Corinthians 13, he talks about when you pray, don't just throw out gibberish that your mind just wonders. He, he, when I pray in the Spirit, when I pray in the Holy Spirit, and there are many times that I do pray in the Holy Spirit, I don't disconnect my mind and just wander off on gibberish somewhere. 
If, if I'm praying for my wife, if I'm praying for Ruthie and there's something in her life that I don't know how to pray for, I, I'm, I'm going to pray in the Spirit because I don't know what to pray, but Romans tells me the Spirit of God will pray through me with groanings that can't be uttered, but my mind, my, my mind and my heart is still focused on her, and my prayer is pointed towards her, and my praying in the Spirit is directed, it, it's directed, okay, but it's in the Spirit because I don't know how to pray. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Because some people, they, they want to make tongues just about this gibberish that you just throw out there and your mind disconnects and you just go off into some mystical trance. Like that, That's not what praying in the Spirit's about. Right? It's, it's, it's not about that. I, I, if, if I'm praying for somebody to be healed, I'm thinking about them and I'm praying in the Spirit. If I'm praying for darkness or addiction in somebody's life, I'm thinking about that darkness and addiction and I'm praying in the Spirit, but my mind's engaged. We're told that we're to pray in the Spirit. Are you prepared for warfare? Romans 8, 26 talks about we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit intercedes with groanings too deep for words. Are you prepared for war? Listen to me this morning. We have this tendency in the Pentecostal church, and we don't do it intentionally. It just is a, a byproduct of being Pentecostal, but we, we tend to... Th- we don't do this intentionally, and I don't, I don't even think it's thought about sometimes, but if we're not careful, we end up with those that are spiritual, that are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and then there's all the rest, spiritually. And we don't preach that, we don't teach that, I don't even know that we believe that, but we tend to, I think that's the way we feel sometimes. Let me tell you, there are those that are filled with the Holy Spirit and need to be more filled, And there are those that are not baptized in the Holy Spirit that need to be baptized. But here's what I would say to you. I don't care where you are on this spectrum. Here's the bottom line. You need more of God. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? When I was newly saved and didn't understand anything from anything and hadn't spent a whole lot of time in the presence of God, my prayer life was real, but it wasn't always the strongest and what I found is the closer to God I got, the stronger my prayer life became. And there came a day where I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And it became a little stronger. But you know what I also found out? That even then, I had to stay close to the Lord and continue to seek the Lord and seek a, a, a fresh refilling on an ongoing basis. And if you're here this morning and you've not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, sometimes we think of it like this. We think there is two states. You're either baptized or you're not baptized. What this baptism really is is a relationship with God. And, and you need a deeper relationship. I don't care where you are, you need a deeper relationship. And sometimes we, we need to stop worrying about tongues and we need to stop worrying about where we are and where we want to be and we need to stop worrying about whether we have it or we don't and we just need to be hungry for God. Because here's the thing, if, if your connection and closeness to God is here and baptism in the Holy Spirit is here, as you seek and get hungry and, and look for more and more of God, even though you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, the more of God you have around you and within you and working through you and the closer to him you get, the more powerful your prayers are going to be. Right? I'm going to tell you, there's some Baptist folks. They can throw out some prayers with some power behind it. Right? There, there's, there's some folks out there that won't speak in tongues, won't seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't believe in it. Some of them, maybe, I, I, they, they're, just, they're not going to do it. But they can throw out some prayers that matter and make a difference. Because they're walking closer and closer and closer to the Lord. Now, if they just take that next step and say, Lord, fill me, who knows where they'd go? Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Are you prepared for war?
I'm gonna give you this last thought, this last, this last piece of this. Power to pray is a big deal. If you want to be prepared, you, you need that power to prayer. You need to walk close to the Lord. You need to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to be praying in your language. And if you don't have a prayer language yet, you need to be seeking that. That's a big deal. But let me give you this last piece of it. It's, it's the power to persuade. It's 1029, but I, 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 I want to I share this. How many of you have people in your lives, family, friends, neighbors, employees, bosses, you've tried to persuade them towards the things of God, away from the things of the world, away from the things that hurt them, harm them? I, I do. You ever feel like what you're doing is taking your head and running it right into a wall because you're not getting through? Every argument you offer up, they got a bigger one or a better one or a more determined one. Every piece of wisdom that you throw out there, it seems like they come up with something else and you cannot make headway. And you think, God, why didn't you make me smarter? I do. I think that. God, why didn't you give me a better memory? God, why, do you, why, why, why don't I have... But do you, know why, do you know why this happens? This is what we got to get. It's not because you're not smart enough or have a good enough memory or not wise enough. It's because there is a spiritual force that has stepped in, that has blinded their eyes and keeping them from seeing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know how you defeat that spiritual force? The power, the spirit of the living of God flowing through you so that all of a sudden when you begin to hit that spiritual wall, because that's what it is, even though you think they're just being hard-headed and stubborn. Now, some of them are being hard-headed and stubborn, but that's not, that's not the, the primary problem. All of a sudden, when this begins to hit and it's empowered by God, it's the power of God begins to hit. And the wall begins to crumble because it can't stand. Let me, let me, let me give you some scripture, and I'm, I'm going to bring this to a close. 2 Corinthians says this, Weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy. We, we all familiar with that, but have you ever thought about it and what I'm, what I'm describing here? Because verse 5 goes on and says, we destroy arguments. You ever think about that? We destroy arguments. Not arguments against the devil. We don't argue with the devil. Arguments against the people that we're trying to persuade. We destroy arguments in every lofty position, every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Does that make sense? Who in your life are you trying to persuade that can't do it? You need, to, you, you need to get the right weapon in place. Listen to this, Isaiah 11, describing the Messiah again. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel and might, spirit of knowledge. He shall judge by what he's, his eyes see or, or decide disputes by what is, he shall not judge by what he sees or hears, but with righteousness he shall judge. That sounds like somebody right there to me that has got the power of God to knock down some arguments and opinions and walls. Would you like that? Would you like that? Here's one more passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We like to focus on the gift of tongues and interpretation, but... What about tearing down these walls and these arguments and these opinions that, that are people we care about hold? 
Have you ever thought about the gifts of the Spirit in this context? Paul says in verse 7 of chapter 12, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Jesus, the Messiah, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is full of wisdom. Would you like to walk in wisdom? So much wisdom that when you come up against those walls, you can beat it down. Utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge. Same thing. According to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. We could tie that back into the broken poor, but we, I'm, I'm not going to go there. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. Do you know what prophecy is? We, 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 got, we, we miss this sometimes, too. We, we see prophecy as this thing that God gives me this ecstatic utterance, and I stand up and I speak it, and, and it's going to foretell the future. Some people see it just as foretell the future, and prophecy can be that. But what prophecy really is, is thus says the Lord. It's a, it's, it's, it's a word from God. When I stand up here and preach to you each week, I pray, God, let this be a prophetic word in the sense that, God, as I stand up here and proclaim this and teach this, let it be a word from God. A prophecy is a word from God. The prophet was the one who stood and spoke to the people from God. So the gift of prophecy, you've got a wall, you've got a, you got a, a child, a son, a daughter, a granddaughter has got a wall, and it's a spiritual wall. How would you like to have the ability to have the wisdom to, to come against it and break it down, the knowledge to come against it and break it down, but also the gift of prophecy to speak to that wall and say, hey, let me just tell you what the Lord says, and it really be the Lord's words, not mom and dad's opinion. The gift of prophecy... And the last one in that list is this. It's the gift of discernment or distinguishing between spirits. I told you I had three sermons. I'm not going to preach the other two. I'll try to give you the best of the three. Are you prepared for war? That's where I want to end this morning. Go ahead and play something, Cheryl. That way I know i got to stop. feel like you're losing the war or maybe just surviving how many of you say that pastor barry i kind of do i feel like i'm losing the war at the best i'm just hanging on anybody because i've had times where i felt like that are you fighting the right enemy this morning why don't y'all stand to your feet how many of you have people in your your life people you love dearly you're so frustrated with you just can't hardly stand it sometimes it feels very personal are you fighting the right enemy my guess is if you want to punch him in the face you're probably not fighting the right enemy are you fighting the right enemy are you fighting with the right weapons trying to out-argue them or are you fighting with the wisdom of God? Does your ammunition need powder and power? That's a good place to stop. Will you bow your heads? Close your eyes for just a moment. I want to pray over you right where you're standing this morning. But most of all, I want there to be this hunger stir up within your spirit that says, God, I need more of you and I want more of your spirit.
whatever more looks like for you at this point in your life. But here's what I'm going to ask you this morning. Are you in this room? You say, Pastor Barry, I, I, I would like you to pray for me and pray over me. I'm just going to have you stay right where you're at as I do this. But I, I need, I want and I need more of the Spirit of God, the power of God flowing through my life, through my prayer life, through my discussions and my persuasion, through all that I do, because I've got people I care about, and I'm not making headway, and it's not working, and I need to be prepared for this war. If that describes you this morning, would you put your hand up and hold it there, and allow me right where you're at to just pray over you, leave God with you. Father, this is my prayer this morning. Every hand that's lifted, every heart that's lifted. God, will you touch them? My prayer this morning is let that touch be a hunger and a thirst and a passion and a desire for more of you than they've ever known in their life. God, let it be such a hunger for more of you and your spirit that it gets them out of bed in the morning, drives them to their knees, and they end the day crying out, God, more of you, more of you, more of you. Pray that over them this morning. I pray it over them. Father, this morning I pray, give them their heart's desire. Fill them fuller, deeper than they've ever been with the power of the Spirit of God. I pray this morning, Lord, those that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, fill them up fresh in you today. God, fill them up with your glory and your power and your presence. Let them begin to speak against strongholds and begin to speak against arguments and speak against opinions and the power of the Spirit of God as the Messiah did. I pray, God, let them begin to pray in the power and pray in their tongue and their prayer language, God, with their mind focused, God, and, and doing a, a work for you, tearing down the enemy's strongholds. And I pray this morning for those that are not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. Fill them. Fill them up, Lord fill them up. A little more each day. A little more each hour. A little more, Lord, each time they cry out to you, God, fill them up to the point where they just begin to speak in that language that you give us. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name. God, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Listen to me. Walk out of this place today out of this place today knowing this. God has imparted to you and he is imparting to you divine power. You say, Pastor Barry, I'm not baptized. I don't care. Just get hungry for more and you will be. Worst thing a soldier can do is go on the battlefield with a rifle in their hand not knowing how to use it. Testament puts it this way, put all your armor in place, put all your stuff in place, be prepared, and put your feet down on the ground and stand. Stand. Pray over your kids, over your grandkids, pray and stand and do the battle. Do the battle. You're ready. Love you guys. I'm not going to give another altar call, which I want to. Love you guys. God bless. Have a great week.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.